0: Hey guys, we are super thankful to have had Matt and Jenna share their testimony of their time as missionaries in Uganda. You're going to be so blessed as you hear how and why it came about, stories of the many special needs kids they worked with, God's faithful provision, uh, the stressfulness of COVID on the mission field, and then their decision to come home. So grab a tissue box and get to know this beautiful family a little better. God bless.
1: Thank you. Um, I think mean, first and foremost, this this church family has been such a huge blessing to us, and we're we're grateful to be a part of it and and everything else. But we were asked today to share a little bit about Uganda, and we have lived there um, previously before coming here for the last almost two years. It was cut short a little bit because of COVID, but um, really. You know, we were asked to share our story. And I think more than that, it's kind of, it's God's story Mm -hmm. that we were just privy enough to be a part of and have a front row seat to like all the miracles he really has done through the work being done here, through the relationships and the people. And kind of how we simply organized today was just that we would share the backstory of why Uganda, how it happened. We'll go through some photos, um, which really kind of hit home. Um, the stories wouldn't be the same without the photos of all the people we have met. Yeah. And then lastly, like our big takeaways and what we've learned through just our yes. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, so Uganda, the backstory about it was, um, so one of our daughters was adopted through South Africa mm-hmm. in international adoption. And um, the Lord had laid it on our hearts to do that. And we were open to special needs of various types and so one of the things as a crazy adoptive mom that you do when you're in this process is you go online and you search out everybody who's ever done it and you look at all these things and all these stories and so so long story short I had just come across um, they actually had a, a NGO foundation called chosen and dearly loved and they had adopted twins with special needs from Africa. Um so I started following them on social media, watched their video blogs of their adoptions cuz it always tugs at your mama heart when you're in the process and and um uh they had partnered with an NGO called Akisa in Uganda to write a children's story. And so I saw that and had bought the book mainly to support the ministry and the program and I was like, "Hey, we get a free book out of like my kids can <laughs> learn about this. This is great." And so um, what I didn't realize was the bigger story God had planned. And it, through that book, um, it is a children's story about a boy that gets on a bus and goes and finds families for all these orphans. And they happen to be the children, the real names and you know, drawings of the children living at Akisa. And so in the very back of the book, there was a flyer about Akisa. So naturally I just look on social media, start following them, see the work they do. It's amazing. They, you know, are very like Christian agency who are like NGO who are for these kids. My heart is for special needs and it aligned perfectly with what they were doing. Um, so I followed them for two years. We, since then had adopted Timby, um, had been home for about six months and on their Instagram account, I saw that they needed a nurse and I was like, I had saw it the first time just scroll past it. I was like, okay, that's nice. Like, they need a nurse. And so I am a nurse. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't share that, but I am a nurse. My background was NICU for about 11 years or so. And then when we were adopting Timba, it was it was tough. It was like life and death daily when I would go to work. And I just needed something a little less heavy. And so I switched to becoming a lactation consultant, which was fun. And everyone was happy to see me. Um, and it kind of gave me that breath to, we weren't sure what to expect after the adoption and things like that. And so, um, I had done that a year, you know, before I had seen this, this post for they needed a nurse and, so I kind of like scroll past it. Well, every day when I would open my Instagram account, it would be the top one, no matter what. And I'm just like, okay. So I send it to Matt, who's at work one day. And I, I don't know why. I just was like, it just keeps coming up. It's the weirdest thing. But my heart was like drawn towards these kids I had since seen their stories and known about. And so he was like, what well, did you respond? I think you, well, I
0: thought you, I think you originally thought I'd just kind of blow it off and <laughs> I, we had I had zero intention of any of it, but I said, wow, it can't hurt to apply. And it was realizing that there's plenty, plenty of people that were more qualified. In the and a lactation. yes. Yeah, so it. it was a little bit of that, well, you know, I'll take like one little step and then I can, you know, well, I was, we tried, yeah. you know, that, that type of thing. Almost yeah. like
1: check the box, oh, we did that, it didn't work out. Yeah, I know, I did. yeah. uh, but God had bigger plans, and so one interview led to two, led to a couple's one, and after that I was flying over there because I wasn't about to like move my entire family without mm-hmm. at least me yeah. seeing in person this ministry. Like, is it really what they appear to be kind of? Mm-hmm. And they were in their hearts. And my heart was just like, this is what we need to do. Mm-hmm. And almost like sell all our house things. Just go. Let's just <laughs> oh, go now. So awesome. And um,
0: But it's, I mean, definitely like through that, like we didn't know any missionaries. Like, it was one of those things that, I mean, it, not that we were, would have ever absolutely said no, but it just wasn't on our radar. And it seemed like this huge step for us. And it's like, but as we went through that process, it, like, it, it, it went from this like foreign concept to something like we, we really saw God like opening up the door. And it was hard to say, like, certainly after Jenna took that trip, it's like, she's wired for this. She has the background. She has the heart so it got to the point where it's like there's no doubt that he was like leading us there and so yeah it was just crazy how he was working through that process but then even like looking back and seeing like how he had like he would literally put people in our lives that like he was growing us and preparing us for something that we didn't even know we were going to do so it was really kind of cool to see that looking back as well Um, and just seeing his hand in all of that
1: Yeah, we'll touch more on that after we share some photos. So that's kind of what led us to go and all these things. So um, we put a few photos here just to show you what that kind of the land looks like. This is actually in our neighborhood where we lived. Um, Back there, you can see the water in the back. That's actually the Nile River. So it is like right on the Nile River. Um, I crossed it every morning to go to work, which is crazy to think about, but kind of cool and um, keep keep going. The next one, like uh, on a small little boat, like what kind of, Oh no, there's a bridge. Oh, it's a bridge. There is a bridge where you are able to use a motorcycle or a car. This is just the gate of Akisa, which is where the ministry, it's like pretty much a house Mm -hmm. where they have moved in a bunch of the children that were abandoned um, with special needs and they care for them.
0: Real quick, Kikiza So it was founded in like 2008 or so by by two, and that's this is one of the stories I want to talk to the kids about. By two young girls in like their early 20s that came over to Uganda, and just said like, we can't not do anything about this. So kids with special needs over there, um, they're either uh, a bit. A, the vast majority of them are abandoned because they're considered cursed by most people. So uh, a lot of them are left to die. Or families that um, have children with special needs. So the the average family in Uganda lives on approximately 80, 85 cents a day. So as you can imagine, a family, they're just trying to get food on the table for for dinner that night. So if you've got a kid that requires 24-7 care...
1: And medication. And and medication
0: and and all of that stuff, it's like... it, It sounds terrible, but they just... either discard them or just completely neglect them because it's Mm -hmm. like they they have to survive you know Mm -hmm. so so these these two emilys started akisa um as as a result of that
1: um this is kind of the road that leads to akisa where where the ministry is but i just wanted to put it in there to give you an idea of what it
0: that's actually the airport that's the ginger airport (laughs)
1: it's a
0: grass field near (laughs) all the
1: rubbish (laughs) And then this is the case emergency house. So if we have children who live in the deep village who need more, you know, your eyes on them all the time, we would move them into the house here. And the nurses were were right around the corner from where they were. We could go check on them, give them medical care, whatever we needed to do. It's just um, there's no way to reach them in the deep, deep villages unless we were moving closer. So that's just the area we were. Um, This is a picture of the government hospital. And I had to discreetly take this photo. Um, this is a very mild day where those are like toddler size beds. And normally there is two to three to a bed. Um, so this is just the children's hospital. But uh, every day, uh, once, once a week, actually, they, they clear out the hospital to clean. So everyone, get out of the hospital. And they clean everything and then they come back and so this is right after they had cleaned where they're just putting the linens back on and i just snapped a photo real fast because it wasn't appropriate to do it with everyone there Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of the hospital where this is the clinic i worked at and that is a little avoiding arafat who had hydrocephalus and a bunch of other medical issues, but I didn't have many pictures of the clinic, so <laughs> I put it in here. Um, he, his family could not care for him. He can't walk and they couldn't lift him. He was too heavy. Um, they actually abandoned him and he was found. And Akisa has a strong social worker team. And so they were able to track back the family, work with them to like almost change the stigma of their special needs childrens. So a lot of them, you know, we would pray for and, and, and his family actually, um, gave a life to Christ and changed and wanted to care for him. And we did a trial period where, but it just didn't work out. Like the grandma was too old to carry him and it just wasn't feasible. So, um, that was a good story, but then he was at Kisa out of sheer necessity, um, because of his needs. So. But he was wonderful. I used to take him to medical clinics and we would blast like Waymaker and he would just sing and pray the entire time. This is a little boy who came into the clinic and he um, was shunned from society. His family still had him. They were actually bringing him to Akisa to abandon him there because they had heard, they loved him, but they had heard that there was a place that would take care of special needs children. Um, And he had this cyst that would just grow and grow and grow. And then one day it would pop and then go back down and then just continue to be reoccurring. And so um, his community, he was deep in the village would, Pretty much the family was shunned from their community. They even lit the house on fire one time. Um, and the mom was just like, I can't do this anymore. We need to give him up. And, and so she brought him to us. And over time, we were able to get him the help he needed for the surgery to make it not come back. But also that family gave their life to Christ and then also ended up keeping him. So um once, like, the, God healed him yeah. through, it yes, through, happened through surgeries, but it was just, amazing. like, amazing yeah. to see oh, over, yes. over time the change in mindset and the, the progression of that. Wow. So, um, yeah. this is a little girl named Aziza, mm-hmm. and she was abandoned right outside the government hospital I showed you a picture of in between two, two planters on the side of the road. Was literally almost ran over by William. He's a boda driver, um, and he found her because she had moved her arm or something, and brought her to Akisa. Um, she ended up did she did have special needs as well, um, and so the she was able to stay at Akisa, and they're still they're still in the process of tracking all of her family and working with them, but. The story of William also is cool. He is a Boda driver and so he does a bunch of errands running, getting groceries and everything for Hisa and taking volunteers back and forth to their, uh, that's the main transport, transportation is just by Boda, they call it. Um, He used to have A special needs child who passed away and so his heart is just that connection to Akisa and his whole story and when he found her he treated this little girl like she was his own like it was just the coolest coolest thing to kind of see Um, this is a a picture of just a um, a dental outreach and we had noticed the kids like would get medical care through Akisa and assistance with that but dent- the dental issues would cause other issues and so there was a um, a ministry in Jinja where we lived that would do outreaches and so this is a picture everyone from the community was invited um, and just we were able to one get a pulse on all the kids medical needs figure out the most vulnerable but also um, share Christ with them. and um, a lot of these families were Muslim people who you know had like, but because of the physical their physical needs being met, they had an open mind to it was a doorway open to um, you know accepting Christ and just learning more. so. And then this is Victory. So some of these, my kids just wanted me to share the stories. So they're not like really God's <laughs> stories. They're <or> just their <laughs> stories. This is Victory. She's a, a resident at Akisa. She was abandoned in the hospital. And if you notice her right arm, she only has, well, most of it, three-fourths of it. Um, she, The government hospital, they are tirelessly working. There's probably one nurse for about 100 patients. And um, they had put a tourniquet around her arm to start an IV. Well, she's nonverbal and cannot show emotion pretty much. And so she was not able to tell them that they left it on. Um, they left it on the whole hand got gangrene, ended up having to be amputated. Um, and then shortly after she was brought to Akisa and, but she, um, yeah, so that's just kind of, kind of her story. And just to, uh, it's just like heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Some of that.
0: There's a lot of Medical care is a huge yeah. issue there, as with a lot of developing countries, but stuff, mm-hmm. something that we take for granted here, but there's yeah. heartbreak story after heartbreak story, mm-hmm. probably in regards to stuff that could easily be dealt with here that just, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I spared you. <laughs> I tried to pick some appropriate pictures <laughs> and I have a full body one covered parts, but Matt thought it was too graphic to show. This is a little girl. Malnutrition is rampant over there. Yeah. They are just you know, if if the crop season's bad, there's no food. Um, This is a little girl that came to Akisa who has special needs, who is just starving and we're able to help connect her with um, getting the, they call it plumpy nut. It's almost like a peanut butter paste, but it helps them get calories right away. If you flip to the next picture, um, she is one of the most joyful kids oh. i have ever met her name is hadija and this is how she looked when she was extremely malnourished and this is how she looked when she was you know cheeks fuller after all of the meth- like the malnutrition like rehab that we had had helped her with um and it just like dawned on me like with her and just her bright smile and and uh, honestly like not even this malnourished, but other people who are just, they have nothing. And yet they are just so gracious. And so like they trust God for the smallest of things and the biggest of things. And I feel like, you know, God impressed upon me, like through helping some of these children. It's like, look at them physically, but look at them spiritually. Like look at how much they have. And almost like if he were looking down at America, we would be the starving children spiritually. Like the eyes to see... The differences, and this is a little boy who um, was at the government hospital. In this is actually after the surgery. He, my first week there, he had come in to the clinic, and his entire spinal column was out. Still, Um, it's called spina bifida, but you can see the scar. It was actually that big, sticking out of his back. And the they couldn't help him, so they discharged him. Pretty much to a Kisa clinic, knowing that like I'm just a nurse, <laughs> um, and but they knew that we could help him, like get connections to where he needed to be, and so we were able to change his bandage and then connect him to Cure Hospital, which is the next photo. And you want to share about CURE?
0: Sure. So this is um, this is a hospital in Embales, like three hours from where we lived, but they, um, they actually do brain surgery here. Wow. So, and it's pretty remarkable. Um, so there is a, um, a pediatric neurosurgeon from Boston that came to Uganda, um, early 2000s. And s- so saw this need of, um, you know, all these kids with hydrocephalus, which is basically fluid on the brain. And there's a picture in, a couple pictures. Somebody has it, but, but, um, he basically pined. So typically how they they deal with that and jenna correct me but they put a shunt in the brain and it basically drains into the abdomen to you know re, re, reduce the cranial pressure um but it, it typically um requires like a lot of maintenance and the shunts can fail so he he kind of pioneered this new um surgery um to where the shunts were a lot more uh, reliable and um came over to uganda and you know again it was just one of those stories where it's like came over, saw this need, yeah. kind of, and it transformed him and said, like, I, I can't, mm-hmm. you know, I can't not do something. Mm-hmm. So fast forward 20 years or so, um, this is a hospital. It's hundred percent run by Ugandans. Um, and actually there's, um, physicians from all over the world that actually come to Mbale for training for mm-hmm. brain surgery wow. as a result this
1: is this. They, I would let them do brain surgery on me. Like they are <laughs> so good. <laughs> um,
0: So it's it's pretty amazing to see, and and the more you're over there, um, the more you see like none of the like they're uh, these missionaries are not like super they're just kind of ordinary people, Um, and so many of it's it's crazy so many of them are actually young um, young women in like their twenties or so that kind of came over there and it's like I, I, I can't just go home like this is and to see the Lord work through them and like, we were talking about kids today and like that's that's one of the big takeaways that I want our kids to get and it's like never underestimate like who you are like God uses broken people and he's, he's just looking for people that are have faith right that are, are available available and it's like and so yeah to see that happen like time and time again it's just pretty amazing
1: so this is Patrick again with the malnutrition when I first met him he looked on the, like the picture on the left um, and just just his story of this family was deep village they had animals and everything else and they were you know feeding the animals trying to keep everything alive um, and they ran out of food and so while we were able to assist him when he was in the hospital This is, I think this photo is about three months later. They had no food. The dad was, he loved his kid, but he was eating his plum peanuts because nobody had food. And like the severity of his malnutrition, um, it's hard because once they reach a certain point, when you even do the rehab for it, it's, it's very technical. It is like the electrolyte shifts and stuff like that. Like he ended up passing away. Um, from it, but it's just like, just so you can see the severity. He also had hydrocephalus, as you can see in in his head, and he was a cure patient as well. Um, But it's just like, these parents out of desperation have no place to turn to, and um, just the, you know, unfortunately, we didn't catch that they didn't have food, they didn't tell us in time, and that's his story. (laughs) And this is Gideon, Um, Gideon's family grew up, actually, I I forget what happened to his family. Something happened to his family. He's living with his uncle, but his uncle is dirt poor, like can't even provide pretty much for himself. And so he was taken to Akisa. He has sickle cell um, anemia and pretty much will get sick in crisis and he'll need blood transfusions just to help help him cure. Um, He's the happiest, most joyful boy I think I've ever met. He's bright and funny. And um, when I was there, it was pretty much every two weeks. He'd be sick. I get the call. I have to go to his school, pick him up from boarding school, go to the hospital. And it was like, I don't know how many nights I spent on the hospital floor with him, like just um, trying to get the blood we needed. Blood ran out. So we're trying to call all the hospital's all over Uganda, try and he could take any kind of blood, so it wasn't like it was a matter. It was just scarcity, and so this is a picture from the crisis, and he, it just—it's it, it, it's hard to see. Um, his his cool story is he was um, during lockdown, one of the missionary. Um, what would you call her? I don't know One of the missionaries. Yeah, she kind of she's a missionary social worker over there for Akisa, but she took him in as a foster kid and was able to advocate, advocate, advocate for him. He is actually right now on the East Coast getting some medical treatment. Oh um, which it they it sounds like there's not a lot that he can do because of the severity of the damage to his body already, but like just the fact that he was just granted a make a wish here yeah. and Aww. stuff like that. So but it's just like if, if he was born here, there's just so much more yeah. that could be done. Um, and so it's hard not to feel that, like, this could be different, like, because, you know, God placed him in Uganda for a reason, but, um, yeah, that's kind of his story. Yeah. And this is Eddie. Um, okay, so Eddie is a boy we got a referral for, they called us, they said there's a kid at the police station and we needed to come down. And so we didn't know what to expect. Usually when we get those calls, it, it's not good. <laughs> um, and so I jumped in the car with a huge medical bag. The the founder of Akisa, Emily was with us, jumped into the car and social workers, and we just ran down there. The police station, like the lady, mama police, she's called, just said, ah, he he would in my office. I threw him out. And that means he peed. He peed on the floor. And so she threw him out. She's like, he, something's wrong with him, like mentally. And we're like, well, how can you just let a boy go? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're driving down the road. I'm like, okay, if you see, like, like, let's just look around for him. Like, it hadn't been that long. We're like, if he, what would you think a boy would look like? Like, drive. And we actually spotted him on the side of the road. i like, just pull over. And he was walking, like, zombie-ish. He had been burned front and back. His entire back, his shirt was pretty much, I, I spared you those pictures, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um on him and he had been to psych hospitals, they kicked him out. He had been to all the government hospitals, they kicked him out and had ended up on the police station like because of that. And so the only place that I found that would take him was a private hospital. So we took him there. He was not stable enough, like mentally. He was just beside himself that we had to get him a private room. We let him settle in the day after I went back with the social worker to check on him to make sure medically he was getting what he needed and all these things. And I just felt the Lord saying, pray over him. Pray my name over him. And, and I was scared. Um, and I remember saying, telling Joel, the social worker, like, place your hands on him with me. Like, let's pray mm-hmm. over this boy. And at, every time we would pray over him and we would say the name of Jesus, he would groan. Like, he, he would groan and... Like every time Jola, Joel and I look at each other like, oh my goodness, like, like we've heard about this. We've never experienced this before. And, and we just like said a prayer for healing and his body started shaking and his eyes rolled back. And then all of a sudden it stopped. And this is, I was like, okay, like we look at each other and I just snap a photo and this is the photo that I snapped. <laughs> like, what do I do? No one's going to believe us. what do I do? Um... The next day we went to check on him and I couldn't understand him because I don't speak the language, but everybody else could. And he was like fluently like talking in the local language and had told him his real name, stuff like that. So it's just like, okay, <laughs> like that was not me. That was God. Like, how can you, like, that is amazing. Like it's just like a complete healing that God had done. Uh,
0: There's a tremendous amount of, just spiritual darkness, there. uh-huh, and there's yeah. there's witch doctor. I mean, it's it's a very it's very, dark. very dark place. So um, it's one of those things where we don't experience a lot of that here for for whatever reason. But it's just rampant. I mean, throughout a lot of I think areas of Africa as well. But it's there's very demonic forces. Mm-hmm. So, um.
1: And this is treasure. He is one of my favorites. He. Um, this is pretty much, I know it's kind of hard to look at, but this is the picture of how we spent most of our time with him. He is a little boy. He was a happy, bouncing three year old boy who has a genetic disease called Batten's disease. And so he slowly lost function of everything. Um, his mom watched him do that, um, wasn't she she was financially she was poor and she had twins that she had been pregnant with and could not take him she loved him and she loved this boy but she just physically couldn't care for everyone so he stayed at the key so she would visit um, and I just like I was able to rearrange the clinic however I wanted to and we had ordered this Bible verse to hang above the bed and because I feel like it just is like what we prayed over all these kids that entered and. Um, so this is him, he was on oxygen, he, he, he couldn't expel all the fluid, like from coughing and stuff, so we'd suction him so often, and um, they had told us that he was blind, they had told us that he could not hear anymore, um, he had a feeding tube, Most, a bunch of these kids did. Um, but I just had him in the office one day, and I was, just re- I was reading him the songs. And I kid you not, every time I would read him the Psalms, he would have the biggest smile on his face. And um, the, the house manager came in and she's like, I've never seen him do that. And like, so I would just hold him in the office and we would just read Psalms together and he would just like beam. And it was just like, uh, like, you know, the Bible verse about... God's word being alive and active and piercing through everything, like even deaf ears. Supposedly, it is just like a testament to who He is. And sadly, He did end up passing away during lockdown. But it was it was beautiful. He went quickly and without pain, and the best we can never imagine for him. So now he's with Jesus, yeah. straight from our arms into Jesus's. <clears throat> So now that I we're all crying, <laughs> these are all like the sad stories, but these are some of the happy ones mm-hmm. of, um, did you have another one too? Or? I just put Okay. So we, we have a, a couple kids who were adopted and they have special needs. James is a handful. He is into everything. <laughs> he doesn't say much, but he has hydrocephalus and seizures, he has seizures a lot. Um, and then Tasha, this is Tasha. Um so Rosemary's his mom that adopted him, and then Tasha was adopted by actually a volunteer that had come over there met her. she was her teacher for school um, and actually moved back she moved back to the UK where she was from and a year like no six months later moved back with the attention to adopt her. She's like, I was wrong, I can't like I need to adopt her and since then I actually she has a, she has a Facebook page where they have like an eye gaze computer. And she shares messages with us on <laughs> on the Facebook. Ooh, Tasha but, too. Tasha. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Tasha is a child that we would like. You would never think that she could even communicate. Like it was oh the severity of of her special needs. But but yeah, Abby has been working really yeah. hard.
0: So her. the eye gaze, they're crazy. They're but like, um, the, it's basically like a tablet, and it it you know there's a camera in front, and it looks at your eyes, and basically. I don't even know how they, they it's learn. It's
1: like the pupils. Yes. It, yeah. You can communicate space.
0: like you can. Uh-huh. I don't know if you look at words or pictures, but and more. then it and then it, um, you know, via audio will play things. So you can actually. That was like the craziest thing to me because i d I'd never really experienced children with severe special needs, but after you get to know them, there's so much more yeah. than what you see. Yeah. And yeah. Um, Deborah, uh, M, the the daughter that one of the founders. Um, adopted. I mean Kara's she was like friend. great, great friends with Kara and she could not communicate verbally, but they were able to I mean, just yeah. communicate in ways that you would never even understand yeah. or imagine. It's just it this beautiful.
1: That was crazy. the coolest thing when my kids had their birthdays. They were like, Who do you wanna invite? Deborah, Tasha and I was just like, Okay, oh, hey. then we had the table with all these wheelchairs around <laughs> I'm like yes. So but it's like our kids, like I, I love that it was just that was one of the hugest blessings for for us to, to experience oh. <laughs> so this is a picture of well, his, his name's me misatch we actually during lockdown he was one of the boys that we had taken in um he had spina bifida um hydrocephalus bunch of club feet, a bunch of things but um this is a picture of tim tebow's night to shine are you guys familiar with that so they do pretty much a prom for these children that red carpet is always included. And this is a different ministry called a Mazima, um, just cheering these kids on as they go down the red carpet. And these kids are like treated as the kings and queens that they are. And it's just the, uh, the highlight of everybody's year. It's just the families all that are with the Akisa all talk about this one year. Like there's a big meal and dancing. And it is just one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of.
0: So, yeah, so, I mean, that's a lot of Akisa, um, and I think what was cool as well, um, you know, that was obviously Jenna's primary focus, but as we went over there for Akisa, we kind of developed relationships with so many other people. Um, this is Pastor Sam, uh, who we met, so he, this is his church right here, actually. Um, but when, when COVID originally hit, um, and, you know, everything was happening in America and Italy, I mean... As you can imagine, Africa, um, little, no healthcare, um, hygiene was essentially non-existent. So everybody like got really worried and concerned. And so the president completely locked down the country. Um, there was a curfew. You cannot travel. Um, all the borders were closed. You couldn't fly in or out. Um, and, um, as you can imagine, people that live hand to mouth, um, that rely on you know selling goods or whatnot to, yeah. to put food on the table, and there's nothing in reserve. So, uh, a couple weeks into lockdown, um, I mean, you heard stories about people dying, and um, so we were able to like around
1: us where yeah. we live.
0: So we were actually. Um, <clears throat> Kind of formed a relationship with Pastor Sam. We had some friends from the states that were able to donate money for for food. So we, we bought pocho. So pocho is basically um, it's corn that's dried on the stalk and in the ground, so it looks like a flower. There's essentially no nutritional value, but it's something that color kind of, yeah, it, it fills uh, the stomach. So we were able to partner with, with Pastor Sam, who had a pretty good. I mean, he's pretty well known in the community. The other thing that's kind of crazy is. Um, the president um, basically, you know, gave like his presidential address via the um, radio and, and basically said like, if you're caught distributing food, you're going to be charged with murder. Um, and I think the reason why he did it, well, it's a dictatorship, so that's part of it. But he didn't want people like um it was, electioneer. Uh, yeah, was an election Yeah, as was election and he didn't want people like basically buying votes, but just to give you kind of a sense of the situation. So it was done very discreetly and whatnot, but we really appreciate him kind of, you know, um, kind of sticking his neck out on the line um, and and doing this. So if you fast forward, I think, to the next picture. So these are all kids. So these are all um, kids in Muslim families that live basically in his village. So we were able to, again, via just giving the kids... um, couple days worth of food. Wow. Uh, kind is of this crazy. close to where you guys were living? Yeah, so life? this is probably like a 15-minute walk or so. Okay. Yeah. And this is during? This is, this is during lockdown. This is during yeah. lockdown. Yeah. Like, it was so like, there wasn't it a whole lot of social distancing over there. <laughs> <laughs> you know.
1: But it was... <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, that was the funny thing. Like, And that was what was really interesting, not to get off on a tangent, but it's like for the most part, Africa was was spared. Essentially, Well, like I think we left like ten or eleven months into Praise COVID, God. and there was like 120 <laughs> deaths, which was like I,
1: I if, if yeah. they yeah. counted them all. I'm well, so skeptical yeah, but about
0: but it was it was real. I mean, it was it was interesting to see and, and yeah. experience because we had. I mean, I was like, oh my gosh, this is you know, because again, there's no healthcare and yeah.
1: whatnot. Yeah. But yeah, so but Matt, you know, when we heard there was people around us dying, we're like, we can't be here and our pantry's full and not do something like that's why we're here and so you know he and actually Kara were the ones that packed all the meals in our garage and there was one day where he's like like Kara wanted to go to distribute them and I'm just like you can be yeah. you know accused of murder and they would arrest you on the spot or they would arrest him on the spot and I felt like I was stealing her innocence by telling her okay daddy's going to drive. You need to watch where he's going. And if somebody comes for daddy, you run home. Like, but I feel like I was stealing her innocence. Like, almost like oh. I praying the entire time they're gone. And I was just like,
0: and it's I hard to, to sh- do it without a making a big scene. Right. Because I mean, we tried it and oh, yeah. before we had met pastor Sam, we tried it, um, down, down from where we lived in. And, and uh, like I mean, it literally like before we knew it, there was like 300 people around our car, and it's just like we ended up having to close up and take off because it just wasn't, yeah.
1: uh, We found out what didn't work, (laughs) and then we partnered with the church, and that worked all. (laughs) (laughs) One of the hardest parts in lockdown, especially without being able to drive, was our medical emergencies. Like, you could not drive vehicles if it was a medical emergency, you'd have to get a letter from like the official of your area in order to travel. So, can you imagine a kid just seizing and seizing and seizing and trying? It takes like a whole day at least to get this the, you know, the approval, or you can hire an ambulance, which costs an exorbitant amount of money. And there's only four in Uganda. One of them has nothing. It's pretty much a box with no oxygen, anything, it just as an ambulance. The other one is always broken down. The third one only works from like nine to five. After that, you're sorry. And then the other one works and you have to pray that you can get a hold of them to come and take you to the hospital. So it, it was just a nightmare trying to coordinate like all of that, and if you were caught crossing county lines or whatnot or district lines, like you would be arrested or like worse. So, it was just like like that's all my gray hair. <laughs> it was so stressful.
0: So, kind of one of the other cool things that kind of came out of our experience there. So uh, we met um, somebody, her, her name's Patricia. She's actually, so we had an Ascari, which is kind of a guard that watch, watches over your property. It's pretty calm there. Um, and her, his sister, Patricia, <coughs> had two kids. This is uh, blessing and Isaiah. And she was pregnant with the third. So we met her like, I don't know, eight, eight to 10 weeks or so into Uganda. <coughs> she basically, her, her husband had just left her, um she was getting evicted from her house and and she was pregnant with a third child and she she came to us and said look like um i, I can't feed these kids like and she, she great mom
1: she loved her kids she
0: loved her kids but she's like I, I can't feed them i need you to i need you to take my kids and uh so they actually stayed with us for about a week or so until she was kind of able to to figure things out but we we developed this relationship and she ended up going up to to northern uganda and was able to start, um, you know, her own business, and she's actually doing really well today. But we kind of developed this relationship with her. Um, if you go to the next picture, she was actually. Like, so these are all Muslim children as well. She had like this little children's ministry that she used to do, uh, and she'd come down and teach them. You know, so it's really interesting the dynamics. The the Muslim parents were very. You know, standoffish, very difficult to have relationships with them, but they were very willing to let their kids have relationships with you. So,
1: especially if there was food involved.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. she, you know, um, wow. as she was able to kind of get back on her feet a little bit um, and whatever resources she could get together, she'd, she'd ha- kind of have this, you know, um, pass out a little bit of food and, and you know, share Bible teachings or Bible stories. Yeah. So, it's kind of really cool to see. Were the
1: kids eating there with them? Yeah, we they do like a like a Bible story and, and then lesson, lessons or something. Because mm-hmm. uh-huh. yeah, yeah. um, I found in South Africa, if you send food home, the kids never actually yeah, there's, yeah, there's no, it's it just the kids would eat and yeah. then go. Yeah. Um, so during lockdown, we were able to partner with Patricia up in the north because they were hit hard as well with lockdown and and you know um, she was able to purchase food as well and do similar things to what we were doing.
0: So this is Patricia, This so this is Mother's Day of this last year. So um, um, Isaiah, blessing, and then she
1: named her kid after me. <laughs> <laughs> She really? The, the little one. one.
0: So, which is, I don't know if you want to tell the.
1: Oh, you guys, I, this is where God, I feel like, slapped me in the face <laughs> because I was so skeptical of of stories. I had been burdens a lot of times with Akisa, with the families there, and I just was like very not trusting of many people there. And
0: there's, there's and good reason for it. It, I mean, it.
1: Yeah, it's legit. But I just, you know, she had never like deceived us once, and I was just like, she's lying like she's not don't don't do this and he was always like let's just try let's and i'm just like i don't know i don't know and i'm like you should have named your kid baby matthew (laughs) baby (laughs) janet and the fact that she named her after me i'm like oh lord like she to this day has been so honest and and everything else but i'm just like that's that's what i get (laughs)
0: so um jenna mentioned that um you know she was able to kind of pass out food in her local community so they had a second lockdown basically same exact thing happened this was like may i think or so of of last year and as she's going around passing out food um, she came across these three kids right here um the father had died that january i'm not sure exactly what happened uh to him but about a week or so before this picture was taken, the mom, dad, died of COVID. So, um, the, uh, the oldest daughter, she's 13, 12, 12 um, was basically a, Nellie. That's Nellie. her siblings. So, Patricia's, you know, we're kind of talking. She's like, "Well, what, you know, what do I do?" And we're like, "Oh, you know." But long story short, she actually ended up taking them into her home, and she's kind of informally adopted them uh, right now. So, really cool to see her transformation and like.
1: Do you want to tell like her business story? Oh, go ahead. When we were leaving Uganda, and you know, we decided like those were everything we had purchased for our house was like raised money. Like it was God's money. It's not ours. And so we wanted to leave that in the country. And so one of the things we had done was pick specific people to kind of start businesses for, or do something for It's Just, she was one of them. And so, you know, to see her come to our doorstep and be like, I can't care for my kids cause she couldn't afford what was her rent. Like it's
0: like $17 or so. Yeah,
1: And so, um, long story short, her business, Matt has been, doing a great job working alongside her to kind of um you know Ugandan's mindset saving is just not in their like their survival mode like they don't save money they live day to day and so um he's been walking financially with her to kind of you know after some fallbacks we we're like okay she needs not just money we need to like walk alongside her in this and so she had kind of set up a program to like where you know there's like education part and then and stuff like that. So, anyway, long story short, her business has since taken off and done really well. And I think the the aha moment for her was when she was tithing just to like a local church there, and um, there was a widow. Was it a widow? She had heard about who had a child with her. It was a grandkid, I think, of hers that had been in the hospital for malaria, and the widow couldn't afford. To pay the, the medical bill and it was like the exact amount of Patricia's tithe, and we're like use your tithe. that's what it's for and that would like set her on fire for like this is amazing i can help and yeah. just like stuff that you like, like it, yeah so it's it basically really cool.
0: like essentially that seventeen dollars that you know she needed to pay rent a couple years ago like yeah. that was her tithe portion from her income that she was able to give so, yeah, so and good. like, so awesome. yeah, seeing that in her is just, and she's just, yeah, she's got this incredible heart and it's been, it's been really, really cool. Wow. So what is her business? Is she- so she has a mobile money business. So basically like one of the forms of currencies are, so people don't really, I mean, unless it's like the, there's a couple of large box stores that accept credit cards, but everything's cash basis. Um, or or it's mobile money so on your phone um, you can actually basically um, deposit money to it and then send it to other people or um, you know withdraw that money and there's a little small fee that goes so there's these tellers that are basically spread throughout Uganda and then you can you know add and you know, add money or, or withdraw it and then they get, they basically earn a small, small commission. Yeah. So, so she, she has that business right now and she's able to, you know, put food on the table for her kids and wow. she's saving money now. So, you know, when she has, you know, a medical emergency or any other kind of emergency rather than completely draining yeah. her business, she's got money sitting in a bank that wow. she can draw from. So it's helped to kind of get through those, you know, yeah. those, those yeah. valleys. Um, so it's been cool That's And cool. now she's kind of she's working with other other families um, primarily widows um, helping instill kind of those learnings I guess in you know, running a business and saving and all tithing all that stuff.
1: She's working now six.
0: Uh, five, there'll be six. There'll be six.
1: February 1st, there'll be six women who have businesses and are doing...
0: And kind of the way, and we're we're just kind of flying by the seat of our pants, but (laughs) kind of the way we're setting it up is, um, they're, I don't know if you call it a tithe, but basically... They're asked to set aside a portion of their income every single month that goes into like a community fund, and then after there's enough money in that community fund, the kind of the, the leadership of that will get to decide which family they're going to reinvest okay. in, in another yeah. business. So that way is kind of sustainable yeah. long-term, and that way they see, okay, you know, the Lord's blessed us. Um, we're called to give that blessing on yeah. to, to somebody else. So. So So
1: it's kinda cool. I mean we started there for Akisa and to see look back and see all these intricate different stories that like is just far more and like better than we could have ever (laughs) imagined like happen. It's like this big tapestry of like just different things happening and
0: what did your kids do while you were there? Uh, they went to school. So Timmy and Sadie were in a local Ugandan school. Sadie was only the, the only she white child healthy. in the school,
1: and she never noticed. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, and then Kara, she kind of bounced around a little bit. She ended up doing homeschool, um, and then Ali was in kind was of an international, international school. school there. So, but there's, I mean, there's a pretty good uh, missionary community. We got together like um, Sunday afternoons after church. We all played volleyball together, and the kids played. So. You know, when when you're when you're away from family and you know a lot of your community back home, you kind of
1: you are, you, are family. Yeah, with all the missionaries are like there. Like a we're secondary were...
0: family over there. So. And Akisa, is it is it an orphanage? Or is it a hospital?
1: It's so an it orphanage. It does to be an orphanage. But, yeah. <laughs> it so, wants all these kids and families. Yeah. But. It's just an NGO that helps care for special needs children and, and families as well. The goal yeah.
0: is to come alongside the families so the families can Provide. care for their kids. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times that's financial, a lot of time that's like taking their kids so they can work. Um, but they do everything that they can not to have the kids in their full time care. But the facility that Jenna worked at—that's where the kids that required full time care for a variety of reasons stayed. So
1: they were the most in, severe ones that yeah, were in the home.
0: And any given time, there's what between 16 and 20 or so, something like that. Yeah. yeah. There's such a huge need for children with special needs in Uganda because of the stigma there. There's another one in. Uh, Gem Foundation and that does very similar things. And I think they those go, are the
1: only two yeah. in Uganda. But
0: if you look at a map on Uganda, right, they're both in southern Uganda and you've got this giant area in northern Uganda that's just kind of untapped, right? And it's like, yeah. it breaks your heart realizing, I mean, there's needs everywhere. But in regards to special needs, you go, okay, like, just geographically speaking, it's like you've got this whole area where kids serve, you know, the same exact thing that happened. That was happening in in Jinja when the Emily's came is happening every day, still, probably every month. Yeah. So, that has been a lot of like what we're trying to do is process, and like we've seen all this. We're back in the States now, and we're still very much, I think, processing through all this. I mean, we're a year into it now, so it's, it's changed a little bit. But I think one of the things that I wanted to share I mean, we, we started through this process, and it wasn't anything on our radar, but we definitely saw like God's. He was leading us down this path, and like, as as we, Jenna went and took the trip in um, for Thanksgiving and came back, and we kind of decided, yeah, that's where God's leading us. And we had this conversation with the director, and he wanted us over there in like two months' time, so i was like kind of rushed. And like, the first thing he, you know, the topic that inevitably comes up is like fun's Like, okay, like. You know, you've got a big family. Um, you guys need to start fundraising right now. Like, and he's like, you can do this and this and this and this and this. And you know, think about like who you know who you can ask for money and, and all of those sorts of things. And and I um, know we talked about it's like experiencing that and just seeing how like he kind of continued to open the doors. And Kat, I know you shared a couple weeks ago about like Matthew six, where Jesus talks about the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, and it's like, why do you? Why do you worry? Like, seek my kingdom, live righteously, like all these things will be added to you. He said, yeah. like, "Just, just trust me." Like, yeah. and I don't know that that verse was. I, I just could not get that verse out of my my mind, and I was like, one of my spiritual uh, heroes is George Mueller. I don't know if you guys nor know, know of him, but um, came to came to faith. I mean, he had kind of like this this um, crazy childhood, uh, rebellious, and came to. Just had this radical transformation and um, decided to start this orphanage. And that his primary purpose was not to start the orphanage to just to care for orphans, but is to teach believers that God still answers prayer. So he he had this entire ministry where he cared for over ten thousand orphans throughout his life, yeah. never once asked for a dollar, yeah. never <laughs> once fundraised. And I mean, if you read like his. His journals. It's just like the story after story. It's just it, it blows my mind. And um, like one, I, I don't. You guys may have heard this, but one of the like the crazy stories for me is um, like he had a couple hundred orphans at the time. I don't remember, but um, woke up that that morning. There's there's no food left, yeah. and uh, the, the cupboards were completely bare. And um, he sat all the kids down around the tables with empty plates, yeah. and they they prayed and they started thanking God for the food that literally was not there and thanking God for his blessing and his provision. And mid prayer, they get a knock on the door and it's this guy who was a baker said, you know, I've been up all night and God told me to come give you guys some bread. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> and, and then, and then a, a little while later he gets another knock on the door and it's a milkman. And it's just like, what is God What does God want to do through us if we're just faithful children? Yeah. Yeah. And that story always stuck out to me. And it's so I don't know, I just we kinda had that and we're like we're not George Mueller's, like we're these broken people, but it's like God like if you want it we've seen you. So, I don't know. We just kind of made that decision. Like, let's just trust God. I don't know what's going to happen, but,
1: like... Like, if he really wants us here. If he wants us him.
0: here, like, we've seen him. Like, this wasn't on our radar. So, we just kind of, like, politely said, like, don't worry about the finances. We're not, we'll are not. we get over there. Like, I don't know how it's all going to pan out. And so, we, Jenna and I just were, and kind of continued taking those steps. And Jenna, one day, um, got a call from... I wouldn't even call her like a great friend, but she the the pediatrician that our kids go to actually, and she's a believer, and um, we kind of known her through um, a ministry that we were a part of, and Jenna worked with her a little bit, and the and she's like, hey, I, I'm just you know, um, here you guys are going to Uganda, would love to hear your story, like what what this ministry is all about. So Jenna, they just met for coffee one day, and uh, Jenna shared a little bit with, uh, about Akisa, and she's like, she said that's amazing. She said, you know. My husband and I would love to do something like that, but we've got our practice over here and it's just not feasible right now. She said, we want to support you guys. She wrote a check for (laughs) $15,000. $15,000. And other people (laughs) too. And and, that's like, but if Jenna had, you know, somebody that she worked with (laughs) up in Long Beach Hospital, you know. 15 years prior and I don't even know how she found out about it. She sent us a check for $20. Somebody and it's it's not the size of the yeah. check yeah. 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 but seeing God show up over yeah. and over and yeah. over and that my faith has never grown more than yeah. just seeing God continue to show up mm-hmm. and just like just continue like this is where I want you to be. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about things. Just try and yeah. you know, just try and keep walking forward and before we'd even gotten on the plane, you know, we had the vast majority of our our first year's expenses covered, and, you know, we had our rent and, our, you know, all of that stuff, school fees, food, you know, we were able to get by buy a car, and I don't know, it was just such a faith-building um, experience for, for me, and I think what was kind of cool as well is that at the end of that first year of, of our ministry there, um, Jared kind of called. So the, all the funds, because it was a nonprofit, kind of went through Akisa, and then they were kind of delegated to to the missionaries. And he sat down with us. and He's like, "Hey, you know, just just want to let you guys know, um, you know, you've got I don't remember what it was two or three works, two or three weeks of expenses left, and you know, I know you guys don't like asking for money, and I, you know, kind of we had this conversation. He's like, "Look, like." People don't know that you have a need until you let them know. People want to come alongside you, but you need to communicate this. And so we had this long conversation, and like, and Jen and I, I mean, we were struggling we're like, with it a little be, bit. Should shouldn't right? be. And, and it makes like,
1: sense, but... Like, and it was oh so hard.
0: Goodness. It's like, I don't know. I felt pretty strongly, like almost like I would be betraying God. It's like, we've seen you work through this entire last year. Like, how how could we do that now and so we talked about it we prayed about it we you know basically came back to Jared a few days later and said look like if we need to pull out of savings we'll pull out of savings but we' you know we're gonna wait and see like what happens and he was like all right and then um, I don't know like a week or so later um, somebody donated five thousand mm-hmm. dollars and then a few days later three thousand dollars and then I think we had another job for like four and it was really cool to see Jared going, Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. Like it was like, I don't know. That was like one of the like the coolest things for me. And it's like that's one of the big reasons why missionaries don't last in the mission field is like everybody's strapped for finances and they have like these seminars over there. How can you ask for more money? Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And to be able to kind of share that story amongst yeah. other missionaries and it's not like full disclosure, like we, we almost didn't go to Uganda. Um, we had, like, there's so much tension in our relationship. We weren't getting along. We had actually drafted um, a letter to Jared in, like, December saying, like,
1: yeah, it's, it's too much.
0: Like, uh, we, we had to seek marriage counseling over there. So uh, I don't want it, to, it's not us, it's not anything we did, like, but it's, it's all God. And it's mm-hmm. like seeing Him. And I think that's the biggest takeaway for me. And hopefully I can encourage other people. I don't know what the Lord's put on everybody's heart. But it's so easy to calculate and go, well, if I just had this mm-hmm. or if I just had that. And it's like, I think he's just telling us, you have what you need. Mm-hmm. I will provide, mm-hmm. you know, I own the cattle on a thousand yeah. hills. It's not, I'm not resource limited. Like yeah. it's the workers. I'm looking for workers. I mean, yeah. you know, yes. and that I think for me was, was the biggest takeaway and carrying that out. And I think that was, again, one of the things I'm still struggling with is like, COVID happened and, you know, we had been on lockdown for, for 10 months and, um, it got pretty dicey over there. Um, it got, you know, people got desperate there. We had missionary friends, um, that were held up in the middle of the night. Their house was broken into.
1: And they were macheted
0: um, almost it, to death. There was another missionary family that were attacked by, by machetes. There was some other missionaries over there that their compound was broken into at gunpoint. So like all of this stuff is happening while we're in lockdown. I wasn't sleeping well because, like, you can't call the police when you're over there. The police are very corrupt, and one of the first things that happens when you call them is, like, okay, how much are you going to pay me? If you want me to come, how much are you going to pay me? So, like, you're kind of on your own out there, and, um, yeah, it got got super stressful. I wasn't sleeping well. Like, I started having panic attacks. I actually, like, started having, like, these neurological disorders, like, as a result of stress, which I'm still... (laughs) dealing with, but it got to the point where it's like, I basically said like, I can't do this anymore, Jenna like, we need to come all the and it's like and I know I'm still kind of working through that, because it's like we had seen God work we could have stayed we saw his provision, and it's like, now I'm taking this kind of into my own hands, so... I don't know, that's one of the things that I'm...
1: I think we were depleted, and we even had a day where, like, it was actually... We had two break-in attempts to our compound. It's
0: we had like, so many... There was a witch doctor circling our, our property, and, like, 1.30 yeah. in the morning, I'd hear, like, knocking on our back door or our front gate. And they would throw things over the fence, which st- Yeah, it was like... like, like old
1: <laughs> sacrifice. It, it was just not good. Mm-hmm. Um... And I remember the day I, I would do what I call, I'm a runner, but I would do sanity runs and I would just put my sneakers on and you couldn't go anywhere, but I would run our driveway back and forth, <laughs> and back and forth. And my daughter, um, Sadie, actually was out there. This is the day after we had a break in the and And she's at the gate and she's just looking up at the gate. And I'm like, she's like, Mom, do you see that? And I was like, there's nothing there like I I don't see and like she's like look at that light mom and I'm just like to this day I'm just like and then right when she said that I went inside after my run I checked my phone and I had another friend text me like I just sense pillars of fire around your compound around that I'm just like lord that is you and I'm just like my daughter's eyes to be looking she's just looking almost like she's seen a fairy like just like up there like in awe and I'm just like I want those eyes to see and I want those. And I think for me, God had given me, and I was actually reading the scripture that you had shared a few weeks ago. It was Joshua 5, and and I was reading about like he shows them the promised land, and it is just a he says a land flowing with milk and honey. And I'm just like, wow, like what what did that look like? And in the physical milk and honey. Like I would just see cows and bees. Like, (laughs) Lord, like all I see are cows and bees. What are you talking about? (laughs) Um, And he just impressed upon me. No, no. Like you, you look, but really, really see. And I think that just sums up like our experience, like the eyes to see, like you were talking about the kids this morning. It's just, I pray for those eyes to see (laughs) the beauty in the brokenness and the gift that, just doing the work and the physical every day like even parenting right it is a tough choice to choose the good and to like not just like zone out but it's like the beauty in the bees and the cows like i just like lord i don't want to see bees and cows i want to see the milk and honey Mm -hmm. and i feel like that is just the biggest takeaway we've seen that time and time and time again from what he's allowed us to be a part of so (laughs) <laughs> 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 I do <laughs> want Take
0: <laughs>